it's just so rewarding, but yet satisfying. But then you can have your your moments when you're like, oh my god, what am I doing to myself? But I would never, ch- I'll never change a thing because I feel that this is what I'm here for. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. French cookery is the basis for many chefs' careers. The building blocks of sauces, cooking techniques, often providing a platform for the exploration of their own voice on the plate. In Australia, French technique has been pivotal in different eras and continues to provide that foundation. Andy Ashby is the chef and owner of Sabon in Brisbane. Andy, how are you? Yeah, well, well, thank, thanks for asking there, Hux. It's um, been a pretty crazy period of time and um, you've got a really successful establishment there. How, how are things going in, in Brisbane? Yeah, it's uh, Brisbane's a, a bit of a funny one in the sense that, you know, uh, 10 years ago it was a little bit um, down and um, it wasn't really seen as a bit more of a food precinct in, a, in Australia, but how the tides have turned due to m- m- vast different circumstances, but things are booming. Things are really looking uh, very strong in Brisbane scene um, and all we need now is that, like everyone, is staff. <laughs> <laughs> well, Woolongabba is a, an interesting part of Brisbane. There's almost like a mini French quarter there. Tell, tell us a bit about sort of um, where you are. Yeah, the Gabba, um, well, it'll be, um, well, I guess, leading the charge very soon with the, the acceptance of the Olympics coming up. Um, it's growing. It's got a lot of heritage and history uh, around us, and there's a lot more further development in terms of more uh, food-orientated uh, businesses popping up left, right, and center, close to South Bank, West End, um, and obviously on the other side of the, uh, the river from the, the soon-to-be casino and James Street there. So, we, we said, when you just said, yeah, French uh, precinct, we're, we're growing that at, at, at current. So whilst we've been through that, that, that storm, there's an amazing light at the end of the tunnel to um, develop it and get it to, to be s- such a unique uh, spot for uh, people to come and um, enjoy. A couple of decades ago, French was was really leading the charge in Australia, and then Asian uh, countries and their amazing cuisine sort of really took charge and added further colour. And French sort of took a step back. Uh, you're exploring French cuisine in in your own way. What, what's the interest for you there? Um, for me, I guess it it, it delves through the story and how I got here, uh, but. I like everyone's got the backbone, like you've, you said in the intro, of having that classical uh, techniques and 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 the heart of uh, gastronomy being coming from French French um, cuisine. So it's it's now taking those key skills as a young apprentice back in New Zealand uh, and adding value to to tell a story, tell a story using localized produce um, here at Sabon. So whilst we don't do the traditional, uh, a fair bit of traditional stuff like um, the souffle on the plate and um, the crepe Suzette in, in front of you, uh, we've got our own means and ways to take the techniques and utilize local produce to tell you a story uh, in the restaurant. And I think because there's so many good French restaurants out there, we have to find a way to diversify and 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 teach the staff at hands, but also um, educate um, the customer to, that comes into Sabon that we are French, but we've just taken a slightly different route to get to where we want to be. 
I want to explore what you are doing, but you mentioned New Zealand. Take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? Uh, it was, uh, I, I guess, like a, a lot of chefs, um, uh, while well, wanting to be a chef growing up, uh, started super, super young, um, cooking with grandma uh, at, at her place, um, you know, doing that, so those Sunday roasts uh, on the beach. I'm a scuba diver, so going to get the, the scallops out the back of um, Waiheke Island uh, to, to just getting that hunger and the drive and the thirst to go, okay, maybe I'm not that good at the old, um, the maths and I'm not going to be a lawyer anytime soon. So <laughs> going to follow, follow my uh, heart in the direction and, um, just get, get, go, yeah, just get head down, bum up and, uh, get straight into those pans and the dish pit at the start and, um, start, start, kick start, sorry, kickstart that journey, um, of, uh, becoming an apprentice and, and learn, learn it through the right ways. Um, and that, and that just started to grow from the young age of 17 all the way through um, to where I am now. But I left New Zealand. Uh, well, I got kicked out of the door, to be honest. My uh, old boss who's coming to my wedding in three weeks' time, uh, he said, look, New Zealand's too small. Um, we've got more sheep than what we have humans here. Um, the food scene is not as good um, as it is now. And there's some amazing restaurants over there now, which we're very fortunate to have. He goes, you need to go and see the bigger, wider world. And I said, okay. Being a young 21-year-old, I was like, right, where do we go to first? And um, it, was, it was straight over to Melbourne. Um, and I was blessed because I was lucky enough to meet um, meet and be mentored by the one and only Scott Pickett. Uh, and the first question I remember him asking me in our little old Albert Park there at the Point restaurant uh, was, what AFL team do you support? And <laughs> being a little bit of a, a cheeky Kiwi, I was like, we don't support that, mate. You know, it's all about rugby in New Zealand. He goes, no, no, honestly, who are you going to support? And I remember seeing a, a, a sign uh, coming from the Tullamarine Airport into the CBD there going, yeah, Collingwood, you know, go, go uh, up, up, up Collingwood. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to say Collingwood and see, see how Scotty takes it. And uh, he's like, yep, you got an interview. To, uh, you got an interview and you got a trial tomorrow. So get your shit together and uh, we'll see you in the kitchen at um, 8 a.m. <laughs> so... I guess that I guess. Uh, sorry, back to the, the, the lead part of it. Um, it's always been in my blood. Uh, it's always been a passion and desire to create and be proud of something. And still to this day, um, through the whole journey of well, life to where we are, that's still the end goal. It's not the end goal is not to make a hell of a load of money because I'll be kidding myself if, <laughs> to think that that's what hospitals about. Um, it's to make people smile, and that's that's what we're getting at the moment, and that's rewarding in itself. Those first couple of years in the industry in New Zealand, do you have any stories of what it was like for you um, just starting off to learn your craft? Yeah, look, long hours and um, thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> like I was working out in the um, – they call it Ohakia, which is an Air Force base as a, a young apprentice, a part of a group called um, uh, Australis, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it was called Australis. Anyway, and uh, just, just – those long hours doing things that I didn't think was necessarily um, part of becoming a chef or a restaurateur or uh, that. And, and, but then I don't know, I just, you just got to do it until you're blue in the face and then you got given another chance to flare and shine and, and, and prove yourself. And um, it's just a lot of blood, sweat and tears um, and being dedicated to, to, to the food scene and, and wanting to, uh, to create. 
I, I, honestly, in New Zealand, it's a bit of a blur um, to where I am now. Maybe it's just the age kicking in, but I was just remembering all those good times, running amok. Um, obviously, like everyone, bears with the boys after work and um, just being a little shit, I guess. And before I had to wake up because I was in another country and I was having to fend for my fend for myself, um, where the, the the bigger stories come come a, a little bit more to light than than New Zealand, to be honest. <laughs> Scott Pickett is a, a real larrikin, but his influence is incredible, and his um, skills are um, off the charts. But all the chefs that we've spoken to that have worked with him, well, tell us tell us what your experiences were working with Scott. <laughs> Incredible, and I vouch for a lot of friends that have uh, worked under him or next to him at the helm. Um, to where to to see how he's motivated himself, his his family, and his, his businesses, and I still keep in touch with him now. Is just uh, he, he's a mentor. He, he is he's so inspirational to see uh, going through the whole COVID thing and what he, he came to be and and to drive and just keep pushing and and that's that's. True, true blessing to be able to work with a guy like that. My time at the point um, was, yeah, it was long hours, it was big, it was bold, but I, I would not change that for a thing. And I know obviously how fair work and things have played out and a lot of the industries changed. But I learned so much. I had so much fun. I, I remember the first week I was getting chased around by Scott um, with a with a tomahawk steak because I, <laughs> I I didn't have the cuisson quite right when and, and you know but that that stories that were they're going to last with me for a lifetime and working with um, amazing guys like um, Ben Rashley and um, Dan on the pastry side and you know we were all working for the same goal and. And that was just, it was just amazing. The only thing was it was quite quite funny and still sticks in my mind is we had this little uh, tally chart in the uh, little hot box we used to call it of the uh, pastry section, and it was uh, how many chefs were losing per year. <laughs> so <laughs> we had, <laughs> we had all these foreigners come in, and that was awesome. You know, new new blood, new skill sets, and um, some would chase the money, and some would say they're from a Michelin restaurant, but they couldn't hack the heat of the kitchen that Scotty would um, in detail, uh, and. By by the end of it, I reckon we went through about 65 chefs in the space of a year, um, which is incredible. But you know, it made it made people a bit more resilient and a bit more stronger. And when you when you did have your time there, and when I was leaving, uh, Justin Wise was coming in, and uh, Emil, um, who is an amazing restaurant in Sydney, and uh, Scotty had just gone out to do his own thing um, with Estelle, and uh, I was I wanted to follow him there, but I, I sort of got uh, picked off by an amazing opportunity to go on to Hamilton Island at um, at Qualia. You mentioned the the move to Australia and um, that yearning to sort of learn more, and that you were almost sort of kicked out by your old boss to go and learn more. What, what was it like for you, like arriving in Melbourne and experiencing that culinary scene in that kitchen? Was it a big difference? Yeah, a huge difference. Like I was um, head chef at a bistro back in a little place called Palmerston North in, in, in New Zealand there, uh, and. I, I'm so thankful uh, to my mentor back in New Zealand um, by the name of Steve Kelly uh, that he said, look, he sat me down and goes, boy, listen to me, right? You may have been head chef here and I've given you a golden opportunity as a young 18-year-old to run my little bistro. But when you go get over to Australia, 
you, you, you go over there, you be modest, you be humble, you listen, you, you shut up when you need to shut up, and you go over there and you don't bloat that you're a head chef at a bistro because none of those Australians are going to care about that. They want to know that you can you can work, you got good knife skills, and you got good um, uh, you got good you know, work, uh, work morals. And I, I to that day, I'm very thankful for that sit down chat because uh, I went over there and I got, you know, went over to see Scott and uh, I said, look, I'm just applying as a, I think I applied for a, a CDP role and I said, right. Um, he just said, jump in the kitchen and see what you can do. So if I went over there with a, the polar opposite and I said, oh, I'm a head chef, mate, you know, chuck me under the pans. I just would have been absolutely skilled, skilled, skilled alive like a fish. So I, the, the learning side, I think the hardest thing, honestly, was the, the finding, finding a house to live <laughs> um, was probably the, the most tougher thing. Um, I was more scared about the, the change of environment from a, being in a small local area in New Zealand um, to being in a big hustle and bustle um, of Melbourne. But it's kind of reminded me a little bit like a Wellington on steroids, like – it was had this really gorgeous um, environment about it. People were really happy at the time. There was all, always something to do. There was always somewhere to go out after work. And um, it was just a, an amazing, incredible experience to be in such a really busy, bustling um, uh, part of Australia. So I, I, I love my time there. You mentioned an opportunity on Hamilton Island. How did that come about? Yeah, so I had a, a good mate of mine from New Zealand who came over, tried to do the Melbourne thing like I did. Didn't have as much success. Uh, he was working in Ligon Street, and he, he must have been on the Aussie engine that not a lot of people use anymore. To be um, and uh, he's seen an advert going, oh, um, go and work at Refue and, uh, in, <clears throat> in Hamilton Island. And he goes, mate, you should give it a go away. Eh? I can see the hours you're doing with Scotty. Like th- things are changing there. Um, just, just apply. Just see what you got. And um, uh, Qualia were looking for uh, some CDPs to come and join the brigade over there. And I thought, well, you know, oh, I probably need a bit more sun on the old white white arms. Um, let's give this a crack. Uh, and and got the interview, got the job, and before you know it, it was literally, I think it was about two weeks after I had finished um, at the point. No time to you know, rest on the laurels and rest the bones. It was straight into another gig, um, working in a, an extremely interesting but diverse place being Qualia and uh, an experience that I definitely wouldn't change for the world because I I, I made amazing new friends. Um, we went through us probably about the same amount of shifts, to be honest, because it was uh, you fly them in. They say they say they say they're this, they say they're that, and then uh, you get them under the uh, bit of pressure under the pans. And uh, we had a an amazing Scottish um, chef by the name of Ali Waddell, who's uh, led the charge at Harvest, and now he's um, kicking goals at Frida Fields, uh, just out of Byron there, and. He was Michelin trained, but he was almost in the same precinct as, as Scotty. He just, he was a grinder. He he would do things old school and he would do it the proper way. And if you weren't on the same boat as him, my God, you get out of the way real quick because the Paco jet was coming past you, your face very, very fast. Um, he had this vein that used to pop out the side of his uh, his right right corner of his head, and you knew that you'd you'd run for the hill if if that vein was coming up because um, yeah, things were going pear shaped. But an incredible learning experience because he he picked the ones that he 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 could spend a bit more time and energy with, um, and mentor and coach and you know give face value and and. and 
bring us to what we, what, what, who I am today, to be honest. Um, so an inc- two incredible mentors that ha- have helped coach me to get where I am at the moment. Well, what was life like on Hamilton Island and, and also the job? Was it, was it different being in that commercial kitchen to say, you know, like restaurants in Melbourne? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you got so everyone that goes to Qualia was part of Relay and Chateau properties across the world. So it had a really, uh, well, it was five-star rated. It really had a true belief that it was it was the creme of the creme. And so we tried to displace that and, and the food and the, um, and, and the showmanship that we had. Uh, the environment actually on the island itself is <laughs> you, you had to – you soon learned to behave yourself pretty quickly um, because it's so small uh, <laughs> and, and, and that took a little bit for me to understand. Uh, we, we, we had, um, uh, what do you call it, local pubs there, you know, and you have a few beers and that with the boys but then you try and save money and you, you had good sight. It was like a flip of the coin. If you went on the com- uh, complete polar opposite and you're there to run a market and just make quick money and then probably get kicked off the islands, you would go to a couple of the other different places on the island. But if you were there for – to, to try and learn and develop the success of your career, you would stay on the right side of the fence and uh, you'll just have a bit of fun, but but uh, mute, mute half that fun to stay professional as well. And I was there probably all up about four, four to five years uh, on and off. And oh, I had amazing experiences. I, like I said, I'm a scuba diver, so we went and did all that. Um, heaps of skydiving. Uh, went and toured the whole of the Whit Sunday, uh, as well as working in an amazing uh, establishment. Um, and it just got to a point that. You got, I don't know, I got sick of driving around the golf buggies and, you know, well, not trying to, trying to get produce um, from different restaurants because we had run out or the plane hadn't come in because of bad weather. It was so diverse and trying to forecast um, to get produce onto the island two weeks ahead of schedule. And it was, a, but it was an amazing opportunity to work with the Oatleys and have um, the likes of Peter Gilmore and um, uh, Matt Moran and uh, Guillaume and a couple of the leading chefs uh, from all over Australia coming and join us for the ballets and uh, the Audi race weeks. So we were very, very, very fortunate in that aspect to be, uh, be exposed to that. Um, those styles of uh, uh, other alternate restaurants and restaurateurs coming to the island for these events because if I was just sitting in a a standard restaurant in Melbourne, I probably wouldn't be exposed to that same, um, same, uh, yeah, same uniqueness, which was, which was a blessing. That opportunity afforded, as you mentioned, some incredible events and connecting with some of Australia's most influential chefs. Do, Do you have an event or story that stands out from one of those experiences? Um, ooh. well, <laughs> there was, there was the, uh, the story that still probably sticks out there today. And I think it might've, sto- maybe Ali signed it off before he had done, finished up his time at Qualia about, uh, a couple of guest chefs. Um, let's just say driving golf buggies into, uh, expensive pools <laughs> down at Pebble beach. Uh, I'm not going to name names on that one, but <laughs> I, I think it was more or less the hustle and the bustle of doing 300 covers and having having the guest chefs come on. And um, it was more about the aftermath for the chefs that were working on those days uh, on, oh, my God, what's going to happen after the event? Because these, these guys, these Larrikins are coming from Sydney and Melbourne. They have, they're like, yeah, we're going to a, a pretty sweet island. We're just going to have a bit of fun. Um, so they would have the groundwork done and then it was all about, okay, what else can we do? Uh 
after the events happens and go out to the nightclubs and and get a little bit loose type thing. So those memories have uh, been on a few balconies, uh, late night chats and to the early morning type thing stick out quite 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 um, vividly um the, the best event i feel uh that i can remember that we had done was with peter uh peter gilmore and i named that one out of the many that we had done because he's such a humble guy and he's so uh focused food focused but down to earth and caring for all his staff and and the way he approaches food still to this day again a, a, an incredible leader of uh the australian um culinary and and that's exact, something that i look up to to what i want to become um yeah still growing into my uh, restaurant and into my role in, in in brisbane here um so yeah it was just just yeah hustle and bustle you did that you did the grind work and then you partied afterwards <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that period of time when you you left the island yeah so i decided that um, well, having a British passport is probably about time I go on the other side of the world and had a little bit of a ticky tour around and uh, see what see what else there was to offer me. I had always thought as a young lad that um, Tuscany would be amazing to go and to go and uh, see the mum, the mums and the dads rolling pasta in the streets and uh, yeah, just just drinking great great wine on the hillside and um having yeah just having an amazing experience there so we made it our first stop to be in italy uh and i worked in a little um i took over a little trattoria um in siena which is a beautiful spot um very close to florence there uh we were living in the restaurant um <laughs> above above the restaurant so everything that happened downstairs we could hear and there was pretty much no day off because it was summer season and you know it's a tourist destination and yeah, but it was it was a so good eye opener to what what else was out there and gave me a little almost like a homely resemblance because it was a small a small township where in Italy there and gave me some ownership. I didn't get much chance to actually go and be Dora the Explorer and you know go up the far north or um, too far south. Uh, we did take off a lot of things uh, at touristy as as you would, um, but it was more or less about trying something different um, before going over and doing the whole uh, big OE, I guess. We added some amazing restaurants uh, after we had left um, Siena and and then we got that call up going, oh, my God, we're a bit broke now, so we need to go back and do something else. So we actually headed straight back to Hamilton Island. So that we finished off our last couple of years back on Hamo because <laughs> we were broke as hell. <laughs> Tell us about the move to Brisbane. Yeah, so after we just quickly got back to Hamo, we did a couple of uh, years stint there. I had a great opportunity to work uh, with Nellie Robinson in Sydney. Sydney being a place I'd never thought that I would um, live and work because it's a, it's completely polar opposite f- uh, from my mentality of I, I guess living and working a little bit more on a slower scale with that without that head spend of how much money do I have to earn to pay my rent. <laughs> um, so I just did a quick stint back in uh, in Sydney um, at Nell Restaurant. Incredible. Uh, this is where it helped me uh, learn a hell of a lot about more costings, P&Ls, because if you can survive in Sydney with a tasting menu uh, and so well-oiled and well-run, anything anything's possible and that's uh, a definite definite hats off to Nellie Robinson for being able to um, show that and it's an open kitchen and give us that whole diversity of changing the menu after I 
sort of said, right, I've had enough of Sydney. <laughs> I, I bought a property, an investment property here in, um, on the on nicer side of the valley, uh, Fortitude Valley. Uh, I was like, right, we're going to move back to Brisbane because we're going to start grounding ourselves a little bit. And my, my, my folks back in NZ, they were sort of like, can you stop moving? Because you actually, we can't keep up with you. Um, you know, <laughs> you're around the world. Now you're back in Brisbane. Now you're in Melbourne. Now you're in Sydney. Just, just stay still for five, would you? And I said, okay, well, think about it. But there's no, <laughs> you, can't lock, you can't lock down a chef. Um, it's, just, it's just impossible until you actually uh, purchase a property and then you're definitely, indefinitely locked down for a while. Uh, so Brisbane, um, we, we got back and I was working uh, with the Ovlo group. Uh, an amazing, um, amazing group of people. But the problem for me with ho- uh, hotel groups is y- you're very limited to what you can and can't do. Uh, it's yeah, you get a good pay packet, but uh, there's just mm, there's just uh, too much control. Uh, and I was coming up with all these awesome ideas to create an am- amazing rooms room service experiences. Uh, so so you know, jump, getting the guests from the airport, putting them in an Audi or a, well, Teslas these days, and getting them straight to the um, straight to the restaurant, the Inchcombe, and getting them up to their room, and then doing a in-person experience in their room, and having like a degustation done in their room when they arrive. So, really creative ideas to really boost the scene in hotels. But the the, the problem was is they I don't know they just didn't want to do that type of thing. So I was like, well. I'm just going to keep my eyes peeled for what what's to come. Um, and little did I know, this beautiful establishment that I'm well um, director and owner of now uh, was everything was falling into place. Because uh, I went to the opening where we they just done a, a massive um, uh, restorement on the property. They built a wine cellar, they built a terrace, and they we're now obviously we've got a rooftop bar as well. And I was there at the opening, and I I got this uh, sense of something new and exciting on the horizon when I'd been invited by a, a, a close friend to come and look at the new Sebom. You know, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. Go there for a couple of drinks and a couple of snacks. But when I first walked through the door, I was like, it's like this breath moment. I was just like, holy hell, this is so amazing. There's so many diverse spaces. We could. Uh, I, I just started planning uh, in my head straight away. We could do this. We could do that. Oh my God, you know, let's critique what this current owner, uh, current owners were doing. Uh, and I was like, oh, you know, that, that, I would like to have something like that. But yeah, any chef's desire is to hopefully own something on their own. Um, but it is very, very hard to, to be able to make that achievable unless you've got some groundwork or something amazing comes up and maybe uh, I still pinch myself to this day um, that I'm so blessed with the the foundation of what I've got here so I was I went back to the, the hotel I continued on pushing on as I, as, it, as you do um, and little did I know that the the previous owners uh, had actually we're about to put the place into liquidation. It was just about to flop over. I don't know what happened there too much. Uh, there are still amazing people. Uh, but I was, uh, and I, again, I got a lead to say, hey, Andy, um, we don't want to see it go under. What are you doing? I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I, I don't have a big bank account. I've got dreams and aspirations, but I definitely don't have a big bank account. Uh, I've got a mortgage too, um, so but okay, I'll, I'll meet the landlord and we'll have a have a chat and uh, and and, a, and away we go. So I remember um, being the little token white Kiwi that I am, rocking up to the the office, literally five people around me, and, and uh, he's like, right, what have you got to offer? And I'm like, oh my god, what am I, what am I getting myself into? 
But the way he – he's an analyst and he, he, he's helped build uh, South Bank and he's, he's, an, he's an incredible, humble um, landlord, but he's also my business partner. Uh, the way he went about it was – phenomenal he came in to the intercom silently he ate the food he sent a couple other people around me he spoke to Scott he did the, spoke to Ian Curley he did all these reference checks on me and even my friends back in New Zealand he, he, he spoke to and he, he really he really took me to the cleaner and, uh, and, and exposed the man I am and I had nothing to hide I, I honestly was just all about the food and wanting to to make something of myself if, uh, I guess if that makes sense so he he uh, he put me back on the table and he goes, right, can you confront with the money or do, do you want to, um, have you got a partner um, that would be interested? And I said, look, I'm looking, actively looking, but at the time Melbourne was having bushfires, so you know, people like Ian Curley weren't going to be able to join in. Um, to, to be able to uh, build an establishment, you've got to have a lot of trust, a lot of faith and accountability, etc. So I said to him, I said, look, I'm, I felt like I was in a poker game. I was like, right, my chips are on the table. I'm sorry, my, <laughs> I haven't got that ace high. <laughs> my cards, my luck's run out. Um, I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't have that coin that you're after to be able to set it all up. I'm sorry and um, it's going to be me and I'm getting ready to, you know, prop myself up off the chair and you know, I sort of, you know, be down and out about it and probably go next door and have a beer and, you know, <laughs> count out on the opportunity that I was, was in my eyes, I was going to miss out on. But... Um, uh, Steve's wife and um, himself, they looked at me and said, "No, uh, we we we've checked everything out, and uh, let's go let's go in, let's go 50-50." And I said, "Holy hell, have I just run the jackpot in another format? Because this is incredible." I said, "Okay, um, all right. Well, let's look at all the asset buys, go through all the formalities. Are we going to change the name? Um, how are we going to boost this thing? What's the turnaround time?" So this all happened so fast, uh, Hudson. This was in January whilst I was still working and paying a mortgage and everything at the other job. I was having to secretly, as you know, most people would, um, go off and then try and make this happen, clean the kitchen, get that all up at spick and span, take out the turkey that was left from when they left on Christmas Day <laughs> and, and, and sort of start building uh, building the foundations to, to, to the restaurant. And... A lot of people said, why didn't you change the name? Why? Why? And I said, well, well, we had marketing already being previously done with Broadsheet, Career Mail, Urban List. Uh, they had just done, spent a, 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 lot of, a lot of money sort of boosting it. And, the, and then the, uh, the old people that were here, they just didn't continuate it on. So they'll be, I'll be really stupid to then counterbalance that and change the name. And I've got all these glassware, the whole shebang. So I was just like, right, let's just get this engine running. Um, so by... Uh, this, I think it was the 17th of January, the contracts were signed. We were in on the 20th and we were operational. And I still remember this day because it's, well, it's our anniversary for the business. Uh, Valentine's Day was our first, first night of, um, <laughs> of celebration. And what, what, way, what way better to celebrate than having you know, close to 100 on the cards, your business partner sitting down. Uh, with his wife and you know and you just got you're just letting everything just go for it and uh we we made a good cracking night of it um no 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 broken plates no smashed glassware and had a rip-roaring time and we we all left with smiles and little did we know that uh and it's still happening now that that good old c word was uh literally creeping around the corner so we started with 12 uh 12 staff and then like everyone else, we, we either close or you try and fight the fire, and we we chose to fight fight on, and 
within, I think it was three weeks after that we opened, um, I, I was giving out notices to uh, part-time staff and casual staff saying, I'm sorry, but the ch- uh, maybe the world's against us and um, COVID's here and um, we're going to try and continue the business, but I'm, I'm having to give you this slip that says I don't have any work for you at the moment. That was that today was the hardest and toughest thing I've done uh, because all I wanted to do is make sure people had food in their mouth and a roof over their head and my I've got 80% of my staff foreign as well and I was just I was just gutted absolutely ruined by that what sort of positives have come out of sort of this period of time having sort of started the business just before the pandemic but now things have opened up again has it, did it give you any sort of positives or things that you could work on during that time 100% uh, I think the resentlessness if I say oh I'm a Kiwi maybe I don't know as the brute the bruteness in me that I learned from my 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 father my parents back in New Zealand that that toughness and the grit that don't give up um, we can fight through this look for community support support the family that is supporting you uh, grow with the team take any lows learn from them and take the highs and don't forget about them and that's what we've done we, we, we didn't go and we had people like Uber Eats and Deliveroo and going okay we're going to look after you but we're going to take you know that 30% off you and, and, it, and it's amazing we'll do all the groundwork for you and I said, well, that's not, that's not the model. And if my food got delivered in an Uber Eats bag and then it just looked like crap on the front of a, a doorstep of someone who's paying quite a bit of money, it makes us look shit. So I decided to jump on the old blower, um, use a bit of Kiwi ingenuity, speak to people like Peugeot, um, Citron, uh, dealerships with a French, and say, hey, look, your cars are sitting in your, your paddock doing nothing. I'm a French restaurant that's trying to stay stay afloat. Let's make a really good feel good story because there's a lot of negativity kicking around at the moment. And I'm gonna, I want to team up with you. And can you give me two? Can you give me two trucks? And they're like, yep, no problem. So we ended up creating that diversity within the business to actually deliver. Well, we had to cap it. We had to do a 10k radius because whilst the phones were going red hot, and I've got an FPOS machine, I've got my got the old penny on and I'm um, knocking on people's doors, giving them their, their, their hot food. I had uh, that that's, um, feeling of um, achievement, uh, ownership, and also making sure that we had enough fat in the business just, just to pay the rent that needed to be paid, but also put a roof over uh, some of the <clears throat> staff's head that stayed on with me. So we didn't know, like everyone, when this was going to stop, start, stop, start, but you had to um, just diversify and, and I was very blessed that um, we, we, we thought about this whole connection and and to still support the community we didn't shut our door once which is, is, is in such a an incredible humble feeling now that we are you know I, I think you know, yeah, we've got about a 20, 20% gap still to go but when you when we look back on it uh, I think that's an, a, a, an achievement in that aspect Tell us a little bit about your food and, and what you're doing there. So at the moment, um, we well, well you, you go from the whole COVID side of things and 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 some feel good stories and then some obviously negative stories and businesses closing and things collapsing. We obviously went through the whole floods uh, at the start of the year, which was very impactful to where we are now. We're very uh, back of house orientated and and cost controlling at the moment and I speak probably for a lot of businesses in, in that aspect whilst the the flavors the 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 forefront of the business is all about the uh, the customer and the guest experience 
um, it's more more pivotal and more important than ever to really know your costs and and to work so so close with local producers and suppliers and work out where you can cut out that middleman to having a having some great produce on um, on the plate and then show that uh, in the in the restaurant. So a, a great a great. Uh, um, Example is French restaurant. You need to have a creme, creme brulee on the uh, on the menu, Andy. Like you, you can't be French and not have creme brulee. And I said, well, well, I'm a Kiwi actually. I've got French. Uh, I'm been trained uh, in uh, in French, but I can because I own the business and I'm going to do it differently. So <laughs> uh, while we yeah well, we pissed off a few people, but I said right, I'm going to do a creme brulee, but we're going to do a savory version. So we ended up doing a sweet corn and uh, buckwheat. Uh, creme brulee. We serve it in a, a, a scientific petri dish, um, and we serve it with our scampi, salt bush, uh, and textures of seeds and grains on it. And then we put a bit of French caviar. So we got a little bit of a, and I, 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 it's one of the photos I sent to you uh, earlier on. But we got a little bit of a kick kickback about that. But it's it's it, it almost uh, put a statement on on who we who we are and what we're trying to be. Um, so at, at the moment we're using, we're doing we're going a bit old school. Uh, we've got tête de cochon, uh, so we're going you know back to the really um, gastro gastronomy days, uh, and and furthermore looking at that cost control, but having an amazing product that yes it takes a lot more time to break down and fundamentally make. But I'm teaching being able to teach my uh, some of the younger chefs that are coming through the Cordon Bleu, TAFE, um, and Queen, uh, Queensland apprenticeship scheme to utilize uh, different cuts to make an amazing product to tell the story at the table. Um, at the moment, we're using a lot of local produce, uh, Brisbane Valley quail, uh, getting tea smoked, and uh, instead of using alarange for duck, we're using that on the quail. Uh, we've got an amazing red claw, which should be a really sustainable, incredible product we should be able to get all the time here in um, Brisbane, but we can't. So I drove to Bow Desert, found the, found the larrikin that um, just having a bit of fun. He's made, made these uh, massive ponds and he's uh, harvesting uh, red claws. So I said, right, I want you. And uh, he's now in Essa, Bloom and another, a couple other good restaurants here in Brizzy. And just driving out and, and looking at these niche little pockets to grab an amazing product, putting that French twist on it and sending it out the door. What, what surprised you about uh, running your own restaurant? That the, the mentality of being a chef is fine, but you've got to wear so many different hats. And I had to learn that very quickly. Now, we have Sibon, which uh, we can hold 35 in, in in the restaurant, but I've got a wine bar called Le Bomba. Uh, I've got my cellar that we can hold 30 in. I've got a terrace that can hold um, standing 60. And then I've got a rooftop called Ooh La La, which we... <laughs> which my business partner is uh, very bold and he goes, hey, uh, what, can we hurry up and build the rooftop bar in the middle of COVID? And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's just do that as well. <laughs> so, so, we, so we weathered the storm when we built that bad boy up there as well, which is an amazing uh, – and it reminds me of uh, Melbourne. It's very eclectic and it's it, it sort of hipster and it's small, and, uh, but it, it does the job and it's, it's a beautiful – another little beautiful uh, – part of the Sibon story because people go up there have a glass of champagne before they come down into the restaurant or vice versa so that's really cool but back to your question is I had to quickly understand the fundamentals of being a, a, a young business owner um, the accounting side uh, but also the mentoring of the front of house staff and not just be 
maybe a little bit arrogant and stubborn and go, right, uh, but I'm a chef, you know, I just need to work back a house because that's where everything unravels. So I've set up more procedures very carefully uh, within the business model to be able to now um, show face out the front, be present, uh, you know, take wine to tables and enjoy the industry for what it is. Because if I, if, I, if I get myself stuck in the kitchen too much, then I could uh, completely forget about what the front house needs and what the business needs to grow. And that's really, really super, super important to me right now is that growth and how do we go from point A to point B to point C really quickly um, but in a controlled mannerism and show show my uh, well, what I call my family, my employees – that I'm not just a chef in the back. I am, uh, I am the director. I am your mentor to help you guys. Andy, you're part of uh, this amazing evolution that's happening in Brisbane. What do you love about what you do? Uh, that not one day is the same. Uh, there's so many different aspects to the industry that just keep that fire in the belly going, uh, talking to producers, suppliers, seeing happy people come through, mentoring young chefs uh, of the journey that I've had and helping them get to where they want to go. Um, there's always different challenges, like we spoke about the staffing, uh, trying to get those people through the doors. It's just so rewarding, but yet satisfying, but then you can have your, uh, well, your moments when you're like, oh my God, what am I doing to myself? But there's just lifting. It always it's always been lifting, and I've been here now two and a half years, um, going through a bit of everything. I call it, but I would never ch- I'll never change a thing because this is I feel that this is what I'm here for. Um, the next couple of months, who knows? But if we have that key focus and and that and what we're trying to do and give that customer and 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 create that family uh, environment, then we're going to hopefully succeed in what we want. But Brisbane itself is just incredible. It's growing. I, I do call it my second home, my home away from home. Uh, and I'm very lucky and privileged to be a part of the growing hostility scene. There's amazing operators out there. I lean on them for su- support. I talk to like-minded people from like Jack from Bloom, uh, who's you know stepped out in a nutshell to do his thing uh, out in Boona. Um, we've got neighbors uh, that we support and look after um, the guys at Clarence, uh, which I used to work with a couple of them. So it's just rewarding. There's, I guess, a couple of things that the hospitality industry needs to look at uh, internally, and we need to rely on some of those bigger mentors to help this government, the federal body and the state body bring it all together because tourism and hospitality is a big part of what makes Australia. Uh, I'm run, I've just started a program within Sibom for my, my team called Practice What You Preach. Uh, I believe that this is a, a key aspect and a, a, a strong way I can give back to them um, without them being poached out in the auction, what I call an auctioneer's market out there at the moment where people are throwing around money left, right and centre and I want to teach them that it's not always about the money. We pay by the award, of course, and we give out more when where need be. But I want to I want them to know what Scotty and uh, Ali taught me is what why are we doing this for? We're, uh, we, I didn't get into this game or the business for the money side of it first and foremost. I got it I got into it for the enjoyment of what I love about food, wine and experiences. So the practice Practice what you preach concepts um, and hopefully, well, Nanushka and um, Matt from 
uh, broadsheet might do a plug on it. I'm not too sure, but it's not about that. It's about giving young people the availability to use my cellar on a Monday night. They take full ownership. Now, if I ask these guys, right, you need to start up a cafe tomorrow. We're going to give you the key. What Having this piece of paper only means so much. Knowing the fundamentals of how a, a small business operates is the crucial part. The P&Ls, how much does it cost for you to open that door? What is the, what is the breakdown of the food? How many bumps on seats do you need to make, make that break-even point? And unfortunately, a lot of these apprentices that are coming through the, 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 the system, they don't know those fundamentals. So if I can help guide them with that and give them an opportunity to run their own pop-up in the cellar and they, break, they have that break-even mark and if they, I don't know, go over that, they sell some more cocktails, they get excited about it, they upsell and if they make um, profit, then they can keep that profit. That's my, my gesture to them to be able to take ownership and feel proud. And I can't compete against big operations in terms of the money side of things, what I can do is bring a, I can flip, flip the coin and I can make sure that I have um, respect and love and, and enjoyment in my, in my own business. So I thought that's quite an interesting one to, to tell you about, Hux, is um, these are problems that we're facing, but how can we, how can we cement staff into an amazing establishment? Um, oh, people do leave, don't get me wrong, but how do we fix these problems is I guess I'm trying to figure out and I don't have all the answers, but I hope that more people stand up um, and, and and we get there's more recognition for uh, food businesses that, that need support. Uh, I'm not asking for handout of money. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's how do we get back to what it used to be like? How do we, how do we bridge those gaps? Well, Andy, it's, it's an absolute honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today and look forward to hearing more about these initiatives that you're um, creating and also what, you, what you're creating in Brisbane there. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Brilliant. Hey, thanks a lot for uh, letting me be a part of the, your amazing uh, podcast. It's, it's an incomplete honor. We're going to continue igniting the flame and, uh, yeah, fueling the fire and just doing what we love, mate. And um, people like you make it an absolute pleasure uh, to, to, to make us do what we do. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>